The message I want to uh, share with you today, I, I consider this a, a topical message in that uh, we're not looking at a particular verse of Scripture, but a concept that comes from Scripture. And I call this Friends, and I subtitle it uh, A Lesson in Love. A Lesson in Friendship, actually. When my dad was uh, preaching in the little country church there in southern Illinois, uh, we lived in the parsonage. And I have a lot of uh, fond memories of that old house. Uh, I could still walk you through every room in that house and out on the back porch and down into that creepy basement. Uh, it's creepy because we had a, a coal-burning stove and the the pipes from that stove would come up from it and go across the ceiling of the uh, basement and it just looked like a monster uh, every time I would go down there as a kid. Uh, the house was sort of a split level, not because it was built that way, but because it had settled. And the two rooms on the west side of the house, they sort of leaned. I never, uh, never had to worry about losing anything in my room because if I did, it would either roll or slide to the outside wall. One of the things that sticks in my mind about that house was a picture that my dad had hanging in the living room wall. It was a picture of Jesus. And it was one of these pictures that was painted in such a way that no matter where you stood in the room, the eyes were looking at you. To tell you the truth, I didn't really like going into the living room because no matter where I was in the room, Jesus was looking right at me. So at church, we sing these, these songs, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And then I would go home and walk in the front door and feel those eyes burning into the back of my head. So I would run to my room and get out of sight. At eight years old, I wasn't too sure about this friend thing. And I certainly didn't like looking into his eyes. At eight years old, it was just kind of creepy. You know, kids have a funny and sometimes strange way of thinking about God and strange ideas about God and Jesus. And a lot of the ideas that I had as a kid, uh, I kept into my adulthood because they were ideas that I was taught. And one of those ideas was that Jesus was a very lonely person. I can't tell you how many sermons and lessons I heard growing up that painted Jesus as this lonely, misunderstood person who had no friends and whose life was really kind of sad and pitiful. Now, at a young age, I understood that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died on the cross to pay the debt of my sin and that he loved me. But it was many years into my adult life before I learned to relate to Jesus as someone who was truly human and therefore someone I could relate to and who could relate to me. 
One of the truths I came to understand which helped me to understand that I could relate to Jesus and that he could relate to me was when I discovered that he was not really this lonely, misunderstood person who had no friends. In fact, he loved people. He loved being with people. He went to parties. He often had dinner with friends. He spent time in people's homes. He was close to many of his disciples, especially John, and people like Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. He took time for children. He took time for everyday people. He took time for the hurting and the lost and the ill and the lonely. He was always reaching out to people, building relationships with them. He always had time for people. He was always ready to be a friend. Jesus was the embodiment, in my opinion, of the biblical term fellowship. Because basically, the concept of fellowship in the Bible has to do with friendship. Sometime when you uh, run out of things to do, get your concordance out and look at all the passages of Scripture that use the phrase, one another. Because when you read all of these, you're reading a description of fellowship and friendship. Here's a short list. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Now these are all directly from Scripture. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Build one another. Admonish one another. Teach one another. Bear the burdens of one another. Forbear with one another. Be patient with one another. Confess your sins to one another. Honor one another. If you get your concordance out and look for that phrase, one another, you're going to find all of those. Fellowship, friendship, is the essence of Christ. He had friends and he knew how to be a friend. He was not this lonely, sad man who had no friends. He was a man full of life and joy, and part of the reason was that he had friends who loved him. He had friends who stood with him. He had friends who were there even when they didn't really completely understand him. They were still there. The fact is, friendship is a very important part of having a whole life. If you don't have true friendship somewhere in your life, you're missing an important aspect of being human. To have a true friend 
and to be a true friend is a taste of the spiritual realm of life. It's a taste of the spiritual aspect of our being. To have a friend, a true friend, and to be a true friend is to walk with the eyes of Jesus fixed on your heart. Because in friendship, we touch the essence of the love of God at a human level. Now, I, I thank God that I have, in addition to my wife, two true friends. Now, that doesn't seem like many, but the fact is, in life, you seldom have more than maybe a true friend. You have a lot of acquaintances, people you know, people you're friendly with, but a true friend they are few and far between. So I thank God that in my life I, I have two true friends. One of them is Sandy Horton. I think I've mentioned her to you before in other sermons. Childhood friend back in Illinois. Still today. Uh, we refer to each other as our forever friends. I've, I seldom see her. We communicate every now and then. But any time that we talk and we're together, it's like we've never been apart. The other friend, his name is Ron. Ron Oaks. He is a friend that I met when I started working with Christ in Youth. And Ron and I uh, refer to ourselves as balcony friends. Because early in our friendship, uh, we came across a poem entitled, My House of Life. And I don't have that poem with me this morning. I went looking for it last night. I wanted to share a few verses out of it, but I couldn't find it. I don't know what I've done with it. But the essence of the poem is that this man, he's, and he was a preacher, from decades, many, many decades ago. Uh, he wrote in this poem about his life as if it were a house, and he described the different rooms of that house. And there's such honesty in this poem, uh, just pure honesty, uh, clarity. Uh, he allowed whoever read it, to see right through him. And one of the rooms in his house was the basement. And there in the basement were the dark things of his life. Because we all have a basement. And in this poem, he shared about the basement of his life. And then he, he was thankful that he had a balcony friend, someone who accepted him completely, totally. True friendship is not always easy to find. In fact, it's quite difficult. 
The key to finding a true friend, one of the keys is to be a true friend. How can we be a true friend? Let me share an acrostic with you. The word friend, F-R-I-E-N-D. F, to be a true friend, it's forever. It's not just when it's convenient. It's forever. You're not put off by anything. You're not changed. You don't walk away. It's forever. R, it's real. You're honest. You're open. You're transparent. Interested. I, you care. You want to help. E, you're empathetic. You feel their pain. You feel what they're going through. You're right there with them in it. In, you're non-judgmental. You love them. Even in their dark struggle. Even in the basement of their life. You know it. But you're not judgmental. And D, you're dependable. You're there. You're always there. As I read scripture, this is the picture I see of Jesus. Not piercing, creepy eyes that follow me across the living room of my life. But the quiet, sure presence of a friend who is there for me in every room of my life, including the basement. On September 1st, uh, Ron had his 80th birthday. His wife, Patty, sent me a message a few days ahead of time, a week or so ahead of time, she said that uh, Ron doesn't really like parties, and uh, so she wasn't going to have a party for him, but she wanted to have a surprise for him, and the surprise was going to be a memory book. And she was contacting all of his uh, schoolmates and friends and people they had known, asking them if they would like to contribute something to this memory book. And she asked me if I would contribute something. And I knew immediately what that contribution would be. Back when I was in college, seems like forever ago, uh, I had a class in which we were required as an assignment to write something creative, be a creative writing assignment. And uh, it could be anything, including a poem, and of course that struck a chord with me because I like to write poetry. And uh, so I wrote this poem. And I never, aside from that class that I was in, I never shared it with anyone. I kept it in a notebook through all these years. I mean, it's a long time ago when I was in college. But I knew this was the time to share it. 
And so I shared it, and I explained at the beginning of it, uh, explained to Ron that while we were not childhood friends, like the poem talks about, it still reflected the truth of my friendship with him. And if I can this morning, I say if I can because I get a little emotional about this. I want to share it with you. And I want you to think about it not just in the terms of the story it tells, but the truth that it holds and the challenge that it holds for each of us to be true friends. It's called A Lesson in Friendship. Freckleface and Johnny, they used to live just down the street, plain little boys, simple, yet in some ways quite unique. Johnny was always kind of shy, he didn't talk too much, but Freckleface would always laugh and add a happy touch. They used to go and play all day and never have a fight. They somehow seemed to understand which one of them was right. And they talked about the strangest things when they climbed up in their tree. Things like life and death and God and what happens between the three. Sure, they had toys and rocks collections and games that children play. But these two boys had something more and they explored it every day. It seems they had a closeness, a friendship true and rare, a capacity to overlook at points where others might stop and stare. One day after Sunday school, they questioned up in their tree, how would they find each other in that vast eternity? Then, on a spark of inspiration, they quickly saw a way, and with hearts full of gladness, they made a vow that day. So Freckleface and Johnny continued their friendship true, thanking God each day for the gift between the two. But then one night, while Freckleface was sleeping in his bed, his mother felt, knelt beside him and cupped her hands about his head. Tears were streaming down her face as she bent and held him tight. Oh, my precious little freckle face, the angels took Johnny tonight. Freckleface has grown up now, but he never forgot his childhood friend or the vow they made that Sunday when they talked about life's end. And every day up in heaven, Johnny sits by the pearly gate 
And when the angels ask, he smiles and says, I promised Freckleface I'd wait. I hope that you have a true friend in your life. And I pray that you will be a true friend to someone. Jesus is our true friend. In every room of our life, even the basement. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus who is our friend and whose eyes are always upon us, caring, loving, being there, understanding, knowing us completely, and loving us still. Father, we want to be like that in our lives. Help us. Help us rise above the weaknesses of our humanity. Help us to be a true friend that others might see Jesus in us. And we ask it in his precious name. Amen.